0: Welcome to Unravelling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own astrological midlife by speaking with all sorts of inspiring people about their life and work. If you're new to the show, welcome. We'll be into our fascinating interview very soon. But first, a little about astrological midlife. Astrological midlife relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid 30s to the mid 40s for everyone. Each of the main midlife transits have an overall theme, though details and timing vary by generation due to the dance of the planets, and vary by individual. It directly corresponds to the term midlife crisis, though I like to call it the midlife unraveling, from Brené Brown and her excellent article of the same name. Part of my midlife and midlife is making sense of it via reflective music. At the end of the episode, I share a track of my original music, Sometimes that includes kirtan, the group singing aspect of yoga, and I'm doing a rare live kirtan evening in Auckland, December 19, 2023, at Kanuka Yoga Space, and that's a chance to sing together live. Maya Nova, today's guest, is a former ordained Buddhist nun and is now a successful mindful leadership coach as well as a daily meditator. She is a delight to converse with, and I encourage you to listen on, to think deeply, and be inspired. Don't forget to check out the show notes for people and items she mentions during this episode. You'll be able to meet Maya if you come along to Earthbeat Festival in March 2024, where I'll also be sharing some music. There's a taster of that, as I mentioned, at the end of the episode. And now, leaving... The astrology mostly aside, the music aside, the conversation with Maya Nova. Maya, thanks so much for joining us on Unraveling Midlife. It's great to see you here.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So I find like you and your work and what you do really fascinating, uh, and especially since we met socially originally. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: Yeah, so my I guess my journey to get to where I am is a bit unconventional because um I do work a lot with corporate clients. Uh but I kind of work in this space of developing people from inside out, right? So I work with uh self-awareness, with mindfulness, with mindful leadership, with um, you know, how people, what's coming up for them, how they engage with each other. So it's quite a niche work uh, that not necessarily everyone is ready for, but I'm, uh, my qualifications really are a bit unusual because, um, you know, if someone told me I would be doing this now when I was in my twenties, I would be flabbergasted because I used, you know, I was an art student. I uh, it was completely unrelated, right? Uh, but uh, it's kind of a, let me just unravel a little bit, because the story, it's, I guess it, this is a good place to start. So it really starts with um, the collapse of the whole system in former Yugoslavia, right? So we're talking late uh, 80s, 90s, last century, <laughs> and um, it was a, it was a, it was a really a complete collapse of um of the world as I knew it back then, Um, which led me to to, I was fortunate that I could leave. So during the Second War, because there were series of wars, the first one was with Slovenia, and then uh, with Bosnia. Uh, So that was early 1992. It was just a moment in time where there was a window of opportunity for me to leave. And at that time, I didn't have children. Um, You know, I was um, I had this one little opportunity, one window of opportunity to leave the country because the 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 borders were closing. It was a complete embargo. It's very similar to kind of what's happening with Russia and Ukraine uh, at this time. And um, and I left on a 30 day visa never to come back right on a backpack on my back. So when I left, it was in a complete watershed of my life. It was a complete and utter and total change and transition. And this whole new, brand new life completely opened before me. And as part of that uh, was this deep search and inquiry to find meaning and purpose in my life and to find uh, uh, my connection with... Uh, myself beyond you know who I used to be and uh, so it led me on this spiritual journey and it led me down the meditation path and for many years you know um, it's a sort of a slow gathering kind of momentum but then um, and I'm going to fast forward not tell you my whole life story here. Uh, and we can revisit some of this perhaps uh, later in the conversation. Uh, but it let me uh, I met a beautiful Kiwi boy, we both kind of uh, were completely connected on this spiritual journey, um, came back to New Zealand and uh, sort of got deeply, deeply immersed in this to the point that I ended up ordaining as a Buddhist nun. So this is where it becomes connected, right? Uh, because I would have never thought that I should be or could be someone, you know, my little ego wouldn't let me let me think that way that I could be someone telling anyone about, um, uh, you know, spirituality or uh, their inner selves or work, but I got asked as a as a as a nun, you know, I just got asked to teach a small uh, meditation group. So that was probably about, I'd say 1516 years ago. And It it's how I discovered my vocation. It it just turned out to be what I'm on this planet for. So that kind of ended up evolving. And when I disrobed and I slowly found my way, my life's always unfolded through synchronicities. I've always been sort of guided on my journey in very unexpected ways. Uh, So I got into leadership because one of my students at the time who was a leadership consultant could see the value in this. He ended up being my mentor. He's a wonderful man. His name is Nick Petri. uh, He's, you know, done amazing stuff in leadership space, including being part of the sort of the creative lab. And Harvard University uh, is doing some, some really fascinating work, and he could really see the value in this. And that became sort of this gateway into into this marriage between mindfulness and inner work and how we show up as human beings and why this matters so enormously in leadership space so it just kept evolving from there so hopefully (laughs) that gives you a little sort of little little nutshell of kind of how i got to be uh, where i am professionally
0: wow i have some questions (laughs) <laughs> go on. <laughs> so you left, like Serbia is your homeland. Mm-hmm. Well, Yugoslavia is your, yes, homeland. that's
1: right. That because that was is, my home That's right. Is, is yeah. now
0: called Serbia. Yes. Uh, where, where did you go?
1: So one of the last countries that I could go to was Greece, because Greeks and Serbians are Orthodox Christian, and they have sort of a bit of a, you know. Um alignment in that way Uh, but i did go on a 30-day visa and then stay there for three years and it was very wonderful really because i ended up being lost on a wonderful little greek island called Santorini, which is like this dream escape for most people so i actually lived in paradise so i went from like a Uh, a a hell on earth to heaven on earth you know it was just every day being in total awe with where I was and how it just kept unfolding you know
0: I can see how that contrast would definitely set you searching for answers
1: yes and also just feeling incredibly encouraged and blessed and um, I guess something that and, and it's interesting because it's kind of like the expertise that of life, if you like, um, that I talk a lot about navigating uncertainty because my whole life has been about that and being okay with uncertainty, because there's a sort of um, a sense of trust in the unfolding when we are anchored with our purpose or vision or hopefulness, you know, when we are anchored in the essence of our being, there's not so much here anymore because things have magical ways of unfolding so uh one month and into the next month and then this opportunity came and that opportunity came and before you knew it uh, i could find way of sustaining myself which is a whole other story how i managed to you know i developed a tiny little business painting local uh, signs for, for tavernas and, and um, my my boyfriend at the time was uh, basking and playing the guitar and it was this very sort of carefree, beautiful way of of, of life, but it just kind of carried us, carried us through. So this, this idea that we can thrive uh, in uncertainty and the closer we are to the present moment, the less fear we have about what the future brings and magical things happen because we are open to them we don't have a plan you know about what the next step is and and that's even though i'm now in my mid 50s i still somehow managed to live like that it's served me well and you know it It continues to deliver (laughs) Mm. yeah
0: okay so so i've followed the you i'm kind of back in your life story you're you're in greece you met a a kiwi boy somewhere along the way whether it was in greece or somewhere else and yes, yes. you made your way back to New Zealand uh-huh. what, what were you doing like how did you end up in leadership and mindfulness consulting or, or was it how did you find your way into the Buddhist ordainment
1: well that was you know I guess we we were already um uh you know we were reading a lot we were both very um from the moment we met we were very much on this spiritual journey together and so when we came to new zealand we uh, found a teacher that we were really resonating with who was connected to lama back in england so it was a uh an offshoot of tibetan buddhist uh lineage and that's kind of how how that happened so that's the that's the kind of learning to um facilitate, help other people with stuff, you know, guide groups, work with individuals. That's where that began. And then, like I said, that turned out to be my true vocation, even though I have done other things in my life and enjoyed them, I never had a real sense of purpose. And so, as I said earlier, the gateway into leadership was through Nick.
0: Mm. So you said it was 15 or 16 years ago Mm -hmm. that you found that vocation. Does that line up with uh, some of those astrological midlife dates I worked out for you?
1: Yeah, there's something, I mean, not, you know, perhaps completely to a T. I took some notes, which I've put somewhere, but yes, they do. There was a, definitely a stage there that oh, I can't find a piece of paper because my brain doesn't process very well past. I'm sort of not Fair enough. <laughs> you're you're concentrating on being in the present. Clearly, yeah, that's it right. up where but, my but mind is. But it does. It does. There, there, there definitely were a couple of big watershed moments that 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 captured, which I was like, wow, that's quite interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, I live in hope that my true vocation will come. Out. <laughs> well it's
1: interesting isn't it that that's um harder to find than you realize and i think it's potentially a few different reasons you know one of it is how we get conditioned i mean my kids are now in their one is 24 one is 22 and i watch them and their friends and how you sort of um you know it it kind of just how we're brought up what society expects our, our formal education tends to kind of push us into a particular position and we think oh gosh I need to make a living I need to pay rent or I'm starting to think about you know my next steps and before you know it you kind of um, perhaps make some limited choices about what you've decided is possible
0: um totally resonate with that also what's
1: practical right and then and then that kind of becomes quite comfortable and then of course we have certain responsibilities attached to that and so we end up settling in some ways you know so there Uh is um uh, i mean i was very fortunate and to to be fair though i was in my mid 40s by the time this happened right so it didn't happen you know off the bat
0: well i kind of wonder because i've been doing this podcast around astrological midlife for Oh, two and a half years now, I think. Yeah, um, and and I'm now I'm at that point, further through the astrological midlife to the point where I'm like, oh, next year, like that's on the way out. Woo. I mean, I've managed to get it through, but so many people I talk to, they have these life changing things that happen, maybe not overnight, but in that early mid forties period, and so I kind of I feel like I can feel it. I can coming, feel it. yeah, feel it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just still kind of waiting <laughs> for and it I to actually become clear.
1: <laughs> it, and it's sort of waiting is an interesting term, isn't it? That we sometimes it's just the very language that we use. I'm so not sure it's the right word, though. It. I don't think it's the right word, right? Mm. Because if we wait, we kind of feel somehow it's just going to uh, kind of fall from the sky. But I'm going to be the same person, and then where's actually this is a process of transformation and being attentive and tuning in and, you know, life is a two way street, I feel, you know, there's a beautiful quote by Rumi where he says that which you seek is also seeking you. And I think there's something about this kind of open, surrendered, courageous receptivity to life and being in, uh, you know, which I think is, part of the difficulty with our modern world, Western world, because we've kind of lost this relationship to the sacred, you know, and we live in a society that is quite uh, linear, materialistic and is now floundering. And so I think this is also difficult for many young people because the future is even, I mean, it's always been uncertain, right? (laughs) But it's uncertain to the point You know, this is something that I use in my leadership development, this idea of uh, VUCA, which is that things are volatile and certain complex and ambiguous. But even that is now behind us because the change is, uh, of course, constant, but is also hmm, accelerating. And so now it's something that I'm looking at a lot is this concept of Barney, which is, and I actually don't know quite how to pronounce his name. He is um, a futurist and um, kind of like a social anthropologist, if you like. Uh, And Barney, he talks about, you know, when water changes state, so it goes from boiling to steam. And he says that at this particular moment in our world, we are in the steam state. And so Barney stands for brittle, anxious, nonlinear, incomprehensible. And you can see how that doesn't bode very well for our nervous system that's constantly seeking some kind of certainty, uh, clarity, security, right? And so we are invited, I feel collectively at this time, to step into the transition that is actually here. Because if we hold on to the past, uh, it's it's just not going to work out very well for us. I believe both individually and collectively yeah
0: and that's that's interesting because at this point in time um in the in the heavens Pluto is moving back into Aquarius in I think it's January so not not so long away and Pluto moving into Aquarius every time Pluto changed signs there's this big collective impression that's quite different and so from Capricorn which is traditional governmental mm-hmm. structures into Aquarius which is the future it's technology but it's also community oriented yes. so decentralization
1: beautiful well that sounds hopeful see I I don't know very much about astrology but when I hear these things I'm like great
0: <laughs> yeah 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 those are those are quite fascinating. How do you use this in your in your work and how does your work relate to your spiritual life? I guess is mm-hmm. a big question.
1: <laughs> well, I know that on the surface it looks sort of um, like they're two different worlds, but they really are not because uh, I mean, I'm a member of human race on this planet at this time, you know, what I'm going through is, um, is, you know, we're different, of course, but in so many ways, there are things that uh, we we are much more alike than we realize. And I think, um, as we dig deep, deep to understand ourselves, we gain certain understanding that I think that's fairly universal about how humans work. So, uh, you know, to me, still, my, my inner work is inextricably connected and in fact i wouldn't be able to do what i do uh, without it and um, you know a good few hours a day are dedicated to that so i'm very fortunate that i've reached this point in my life where um, i'm able to distribute time in a sense that feels really um, valid to me and i'm not looking uh, to the society to tell me how I need to be structuring my life, you know. So, uh, so that's the first part of the, the the question. You know, they're not so different. And and the question, what was the other question that you asked as to how does this something that I shared before, how this works in leadership training? Is that kind of when you? want yeah, to
0: Yeah. How how does I mean you said that your spiritual life and professional life are the oh, same, really? Oh. Well, but how same,
1: do they? Uh, 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 they're not the same, but they are aligned.
0: <laughs> I love how you're fixing my language. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no, no, That's all right, that's all right. Uh, so, so, okay, so leadership is a, a vast playing field, right? I mean, it's a, a, there's, there's, you know, from academia to practice, thousands of, uh, you know, books, articles, uh, models, styles, approaches, I mean, it's vast. So um, what has worked for me is to really keep tuning in to what is it something that I know about, that I'm passionate about, where I can add value in this space. And so it's this idea of vertical development, right, that, that at a certain I mean, I think it's not necessarily, I wanted to say the certain point on their journey in leadership. It, this is true because I mainly work with senior leaders, but it's not necessarily just a question of seniority, it's actually a question of development. So simply because it, it, at the early, at the beginning, it's often based on people's experience, expertise, right? So they, so they often become managers before they know how to really,
0: Mm-hmm. themselves,
1: all their daughters, Right. Mm-hmm. And so then some, tr- a lot of training is offered at, at a sort of often a bit too late. <laughs> and that is what I would call uh, a lot of it is horizontal development where people are uh, developing their capability. And so they're learning about this and that and whatever else it is that is important. And then at some point, it really becomes about their capacity as because their human potential equals their leadership potential. you know how you show up uh it's not just what you do, it's how you be that becomes very defining, so you can see how the dots start to connect at this point, right how you're being what you're emanating, are you aligned with your values rather than merely professing them, for example, you know mm. do you are you able to listen deeply, speak unarguably um filter your unconscious bias, uh, have vision, have purpose, have resilience, uh, be able to constantly flow with change, uh, release some of your limiting beliefs along the way. So you can see that actually at that point becomes equal with spiritual development. So it's just a question of sometimes reframing it. And, and that ends up being, uh, you know, to an extent, a marketing um, uh, exercise, but it doesn't compromise the value of what I do. It's simply answering if you have these problems, I may be able to help you with them. And so people go, yes, thank you. <laughs> we do have these problems and we don't have solutions because the solution is different to what they're typically used to. And, and not to suggest that I'm only the only person doing this work, right? I mean, there mm-hmm. are other people playing in in, in and, and more, you know, when you really go into deep development of people, you will have to go down into self-awareness space. There's no other way. But it's just that happens that that is my sweet spot. That's my zone of genius. That's where I spend time and what I'm passionate about. And, of course, I'm a work in progress myself, so I'm constantly learning, you know. And so because I'm constantly learning, I have this contagious passion about this that people and and it's relatable right because I'm I'm learning from being human
0: <laughs> you did know? you ever have like an imposter syndrome when you were first starting oh yeah that yeah kind yeah,
1: of yeah yeah for sure and and uh, yeah I, of course I did and um and I think especially at the beginning you know I have worked very hard to um Uh, work on my credibility, worked very hard to use the right kind of language to uh, not necessarily fit in, but to really articulate myself in a way that would be relevant. And so it was a little bit dry, perhaps, to how it is now, but because I have quite a bit of stuff under my belt and I've worked with some large companies, uh, these days nobody even asks me about me. They just want to know kind of we've worked
2: with
1: yeah well in a way that is that is how it works so i think the hardest thing at the beginning is actually that isn't it is uh moving beyond your qualifications into having some some you know practical work with with people yeah
0: Yeah. i guess there's the, the part of me that goes wow if i was doing that i'd have such imposter syndrome starting out for sure and then I thought, I wonder if that's something that having gone through astrological midlife will fix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. And I think uh, you and I talked a little bit about this when you, just, when you asked me to, to come along to this, because I think there's something that happens to women that uh, we, we uh, at this point in our lives, Once we go through crises (laughs) that we have to go through, you know, physiologically and in every other sense of the word, uh, we can really dig deep and connect with our wisdom, and it's a whole other confidence that comes from that. You know that wisdom informs the ego rather than because the imposter syndrome is all understandable. It's all in the thinking, isn't it?
2: You
1: you know, right? It's completely in the thinking and uh, the wisdom and uh, the confidence is being connected to our heart, this, this um, you know, knowing something of value. It doesn't matter how big or small, being in service mm. and then uh, seeing how can I help and then humbly finding ways. And, and for me, I guess that's something that I'm really passionate about. I, I read extensively. I listen to things. I um, put myself through various bits and pieces of training to find you know, what are, what are some of the ways that this can connect with someone, And you know, because it's about really, if I care enough about you, and I am able to see, oh, this is where you're stuck, this is where it hurts. Now I need to find a way of making that known to you, but also giving you some tools and strategies and some inspiration and some accountability to to give that a go and to find away with that you know so it, it is based on compassion and I think compassion is cure for imposter syndrome both internally and externally
0: oh, I love that compassion is a cure for imposter syndrome I'm just writing that down listener. <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> oh well, because beautiful. we are
2: much
1: wiser than we realize, you know, and sometimes we, it's that we get drowned in the noise. And because I know you and I share this love of of, of meditation, you know, it's really just um, finding our way into the deep, isn't it? To go below the foam when we're just drowning in the noise and confusion and to find our way into, into calm, into stillness, into um, silence where we can actually have nuggets of, uh, you know, quicksilver thoughts and inspirations and um, yeah, you know, being connected to our true sense of purpose. And then it becomes actually quite easy, because it's only the ego that flounders, really. And if your sense is more with self than ego, then, you know,
0: yeah, it's just keeping that that personality ego in check.
1: Well, and that's, you know, to circle back to what you asked me earlier, why my personal practice is indispensable, you know, whether we're talking about imposter syndrome or ego or, you know, and it's not like I don't go through periods of, of doubt or, you know, the, the things over, you know, as, you, as per your chart, thing, things do happen periodically and psychically and we're connected and influenced by so many different things. But it's like, how do we keep find our true north, and how do we, you know, as I said earlier, how do we keep um, in that receptive state to see what what's next, what's mm. and, and and sometimes you know you'll have a, a funny little thought, and then it will repeat, and then you will meet someone, and then it shows up over there, and we need to learn to follow that instead of going, oh, it's irrelevant. <laughs> you know, because to the thinking mind, it doesn't make sense, but it's actually these little signposts mm-hmm. and along the way, you know, where magic begins to happen.
0: Yeah, the whispers, I call them the whispers. Yes. Right. I don't always hear them, or sometimes I hear them, and then later I went, why didn't I follow that and do X, Y, Z, because now this has happened, and it, yeah. yeah. Well, because don't. i
1: think we go into doubt and we go into overthinking and we go into the imposter and we go you know we go back into into the mind so it is a dance but um, um yeah you know like the, and, and back to midlife you know now I, i've just turned 55 and um i just have no interest in living in that other space anymore, you know, so for me it's very much going forward, so that means that maybe perhaps the pool of the people I I work with reduces even more, that I become even more niche, you know, because you have to work with people who are ready and willing, but I also feel that this time is really calling for it because the new paradigm is emerging um, and I want to be part of the future i don't want to be part of the past and i want to be on the right side of history
0: hallelujah i'm not even christian but <laughs> you know yeah
2: alleluia. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely i well agree with that i want to be on the right side of history i want to be here to help the change I always kind of knew that something would happen in my life and then life went long life went long it's like oh something can happen then, then COVID hit oh something happened it wasn't really exactly what I kind of thought might happen but, um, but life's look, definitely here changed we are having,
1: but here we are having this conversation and something has happened because you are initiating these conversations and you're mm-hmm. talking with people um, about things that really matter and and that is part you know like I don't think it's I think good to not have naive ideas about how transformation happens, you know, because I mean, I live through a collapse of a society only to be replaced by another one, you know, so um, sometimes, you know, revolutions, this idea that, 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 you know, will replace the systems, I just don't quite believe in that anymore, but I do believe in evolution, I believe in transformation, I believe that we can become these little islands of sanity, and that in these types of conversations we connect and something is different in the world, you know, in a little way and then maybe in a bigger way. And, and it's not up to any of us, you know. We have a natural sphere of influence. And for some of us is maybe tiny, and for some people it's huge. But it doesn't matter, I feel, because as long as we keep showing up you know i'll tell you something there was a story that i heard by julia butterfly hill i don't know if you've heard of her so she was an activist and um this is this is quite some time ago now she uh, there was a logging thing going in in an ancient red uh, redwood forest and her and a bunch of other activists made these platforms high up in the trees uh, and they just basically lived up there because they couldn't cut the trees. Right. Mm-hmm. So this, the, one of them was Julia Butterfly Hill. And then at one point, these enraged log, these enraged loggers came and actually cut the, one of the trees and one of her uh, friends died. And she was curled up on this tiny little platform on the tree thinking, I can't go on, you know, this is there's no hope. And then it was almost like, you know, when we talk about this little quiet voice that we can hear and and she had this insight and this has inspired me really ever since I've heard it and continues to inspire me this idea that as long as you have hope in this moment, hope is alive in the world, as long as you have wisdom in this moment, wisdom is alive in the world, you see what I mean so there's something about we always think about scale, but actually it's a quality, it's not a quantity, there's a question of consciousness. And if we then begin to dig deeper beyond just individual mind and understand that we're all connected, then as one person transforms, something shifts in the field. So, you know, uh, this is, you know, questionable, perhaps, but it's something that I, it does give me hope, because it gives purpose and meaning to my life you know and what i can do and i can do a lot here i can't do a whole lot out there
0: Mm. yeah the only thing we really have control over is ourselves
1: yeah our mindset our thoughts our perceptions our choices habits and there's a lot of work to be done here because you know a lot of the time i think when we think about changing the world um we have to really be mindful that if we don't resolve um our own ignorance and our own fears and our own hatred and our own limiting beliefs then we will bring that to the whatever next thing is that we do out there
0: so revolutionaries would do well to take heed of this
1: I would say so some you know I ran into a friend in the supermarket because I used to be you know it's another thing I haven't mentioned but I used to be really involved in um environmental activism environment's always been very very close to my heart and then uh at one point I made a conscious decision to for the very reasons that we talk talking about to uh, kind of refocus on myself. So I ran into this friend and he said, he asked me, oh, so you're still doing activist stuff. And I paused and I thought, do you know what, I actually am, I'm a spiritual activist. <laughs> oh, I love it. Spiritual <laughs> uh, and of course, it is all connected. And of course, I do try and, uh, you know, and, and I think as long as each one of us does our little bit, you know, because You follow your joy and your bliss and what lights you up, and I do me, and someone else is a genius over here. And if we are all connected
2: in this, uh, you know, you know, uh,
1: it's it's funny, isn't it? It's funny sometimes with words. But what I'm trying to say, if if we stop being part of the problem,
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and solutions will begin to emerge Mm. and you know humans
1: are incredibly incredibly resourceful adaptable clever species um and i'm just going to i'm going to keep weaving here If this is working for you um Mm -hmm. but you know um that's also one of our biggest setbacks i have recently kind of gone right back into deep ecology and something that you and I talked about earlier, because I really believe that this intersection, this vertical dimension of of self, uh, once we really go beyond the mind, we realize we are ecological beings. And so I've been doing a lot of listening and thinking, and uh, I came across uh, a great guy is a social philosopher his name name is daniel schmackenberger what a name eh schmackenberger uh, and something he said really captured my attention he said human intelligence devoid of wisdom is cause of the cause of the meta crisis we are experiencing
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: is that right there that right there is everything you know sometimes we're too clever for our own good we'll invent um an atom bomb but in the process create this you know
0: death and um, suffering for years and generations and Mm.
1: and the fear that's looming over us and the imbalance of power and so on and you know you can you can look at that in so many areas you know where we've developed ai but we haven't worked on ethics so now we find ourselves in this unprecedented situation you know um we've developed all these you know, clever technologies, um, or we've, you know, extracted uh, fossil fuel from the g- ground that's enabled us to do all this, but look at the expense of the very, you know, basis of our sustenance. So, so yeah, so so just being merely clever in this age of intelligent machines who are already much cleverer than we can ever be, it's that's just true. not going to do it, is it?
0: Well, with Pluto just kind of heading into Aquarius, it's like we ain't seen nothing yet. And yeah, we have to be careful that that shadow side is kept in check and that we do have the wisdom with our communities to ensure the technology stays as servants to us rather than taking over.
1: Yep. And I could speak to that, but I would rather you maybe ask me some questions for that. I'm not completely just hijacking the conversation. No, I wanna know what you wanted <laughs> to say
0: about AI now. No <laughs> oh, wow and technology.
1: Yeah. Um obviously from my limited experience and understanding, but I think it's huge. You know, I think it's huge. Um Again, I think a lot of it stems from so much cleverness and so much excitement and also greed, you know, that we have unleashed something that is completely unregulated um, and that is ethically really problematic with, with these large language programs that, you know, um, that are uh, open source, you know, that anybody can, can use them uh, if they're, you know, and if their agenda is not good. I mean, it's incredibly it's quite frightening. Um, but also, you know, the fact that um, I hear what you said there because I think we're the parents of AI. You know, it's not the AI that's the problem, it's the humans that are the problem.
0: It's always the humans. Right? It's always <laughs>
1: the humans. So it's actually how we are engaging it, with it. And, it, you know, at the moment, how we are showing up online doesn't bode very well for humankind because we're not displaying the best of ourselves. Sometimes we are. So I think if we choose to engage on, um online let's do that in a a positive proactive way you
2: know Mm.
1: go into the light don't go into the dark
0: yeah 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 actually that that brings to mind i know that um you're part of earthbeat festival coming Mm. up in Mm. march 2024 from the 20th to the 24th of march and and also, we've got a uh, uh, you're doing the deep ecology, and we've also got someone, um, a couple of facilitators from Inclusivity are coming to do a workshop on online, like showing up online, and how do yes. we, how we show up online, and how do we do that in an inclusive way? Because there's so much. That's not inclusive. That's- I love
1: it. I think it's so, 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 so important. And again, you know, we are often dealing here with the unconscious bias and the fact that we um, can, it feels sometimes bring our shadow selves without consequences that we would normally experience in you know, real human to human interactions. So, yeah, I'm really glad to hear about that. And I'm super excited for this opportunity. To do this deep, deep, deep ecology work because of everything that we've talked about you know that the transformation begins here and that as we feel and access our ecological selves
2: um, then we begin to um, you know wake up out of the dream of separation
1: and a lot of what I still see in the ecology space still comes very much from this paradigm, trying to make changes out there. And science is still very sort of, you know, heroic and masculine and
2: uh,
1: fix it kind of thing, whereas we need to be actually informed. And so uh, the deep ecology has feminine qualities it's connected to ecofeminism, but also is quite a keen and aligned with the way indigenous people um, exist on this planet and I think that's all going to be in the mix of this new 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 birthing you know of how we show up as what would it what, you know to, and to be more in the imagining of the new than what all the reasons why things are the way they are and why they can't be different you know what would Um, what would a truly evolved, um, awakened, spirited, wholehearted, uh, cooperative civilization of human beings look like on this planet? Mm. Yeah, and to begin to embody that, yeah, in the here and now, you know, Um, yeah, it all connects, it really does connect, you know, a lot of the work that I'm doing personally, at the moment, and it's changing all the time. But I'm really listening to a lot of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and uh, because I've been dealing also with some physiological changes, you know, speaking of midlife, (laughs) um, but that we, you know, um, can't be defined by our old uh, body-mind manifestation, you know, that we need to begin to release that and and find a way way into the emerging future. And so I think a lot of the workshop that will be really about that, it will be uh, really more about this vertical space, but understanding that it's inseparably connected with
2: um, what we perceive to be the world out there. Wow.
0: So, what kind of advice Hmm. might you have for someone like me going through astrological midlife, which could equally be applied to anyone, I suppose?
1: So, as I said earlier, I'm I'm not going to talk about astrology because that's not my zone of genius, but you know, you may be able to connect the dots somewhere along there. Like, it's quite, I find it quite heartening.
2: You talk when
1: you shared about uh, moving into the age of Aquarius and what that might mean, um, but yeah, just from I can only really speak from my experience so far, and and the sort of deep honest conversation I have with other women going
2: through this. Um, it's connecting with our feminine. And our feminine has been trapped in a way
1: in the patriarchal paradigm where we are asked to shift the puzzles, pieces of puzzle in a, in a world that's not often aligned with our own rhythms, our own needs. So where I see women flourishing is where they have given themselves permission to slow down, to tune in, to really feel into these whispers of the body before it screams, you know, and to allow ourselves to go through this transition because it is a rite of passage. And that as we do so, I often think that, you know, my body is like a mini Gaia. What I do here is part of what happens out there. And so this way of the feminine is a more of a soft, yielding, attentive, tuned in, receptive, um, collaborative, co-creative way rather than this kind of heroic, masculine conquering. And I'm not suggesting we all have the balance of masculine and feminine within us, but this time calls us to tune into the feminine because I think that's also what the world needs.
2: Mm -hmm. and i
1: want to say awakened feminine if you like i mean we can use different words because as we know we also have the wounded feminine uh and that needs care and it's healing and you know um and it doesn't have to be perfect we don't have to have worked everything out but we are called to you know the more we are in the sacred feminine the more that takes care of the wounded feminine Does that make sense Mm -hmm. and so and so then the question is how does this shift from mere idea to actually living and breathing and embodying this and it's same as everything else it's just showing up isn't it it's practice it's choosing it's making these choices and uh, if we don't yet have a practice then looking where can i get some guidance where can i get some inspiration and i'm really big fan of um you know tiny habits we don't you know because it can all feel incredibly overwhelming we feel well i'm here and i need to somehow get over there and that is just paralyzing and i think for a lot of people uh it can be sort of either a denial or a sense of too hard or finding excuses or you know but and this is to connect us a little bit back into the the left brain stuff you know like work um, of uh, james clear who wrote the book atomic habits which is based on a whole lot of research done in stanford university by Jack foggs and other people where there's a very clear correlation because we uh you know we need to rewire our brains and so that happens through consistency and it happens actually in tiny increments so what would five minutes a day look like you know but mm-hmm. do it consistently and and not giving up before we experience that change in state you know so there's so many modalities and they're different at different times of the life you know like at the moment i need more energy so i'm doing quite a lot of breath work you know um it, it just depends what is it what is it that your body mind needs to come into a balance and equilibrium and you know um also taking care of the body with the right kind of you know, we know it's simple things: it's sleep, nurture, move. <laughs> it's like not not complicated. But what <laughs> gets in the way is that we have all sorts of conflicting priorities and things like that. So to me, it's like, well, what's going to inspire you to begin to live the life that you want tomorrow, in little ways, to have moments where it feels like, okay, this is it. I could not be any more fulfilled than I am right now rather than oh i'm not fulfilled and fulfillment needs to come in the future you see
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how many words of wisdom <laughs> how can people find you
1: um uh, well i don't i'm not on social media at the moment for uh, you know for a bunch of reasons i sometimes um Open. So so not the usual channels. Uh, my website is also a tiny bit out of that, but I will respond if anyone gets in touch with me via there. So my website is mindbalance.co.nz uh, and there's all my contact details. Uh, but where I kind of share my stuff is on LinkedIn because you know, I work in the corporate. I also will be uh, at EarthBeat doing this workshop. Um, I occasionally do a few public things. I have a little meditation that gathers weekly meditation group but it's a so it's a bit of a closed group but if people feel called to be part of something like that they would be welcome to give it a go is it get in get so, in touch by yeah, the so Yes yeah, so website linkedin uh feel free to you know flick me an email a text if you want to have a conversation I'm available.
0: That's great, or or just come along to Earthbeat Festival. Yeah, festival. exactly. It, which
1: is which is my favorite, you know, favorite New Zealand uh, summer festival. It's just got such great kaupapa, and um, it's going to be amazing, and it's very joyful. And I think these are sometimes experiments, right? In these temporary communities of how we come together mm-hmm. to get a feeling for what it's possible. And so I think they are uh, both enjoyable, but also quite Inspiring and give us a, a sort of a little blueprint of something that's emerging.
0: Thanks so much, Maya.
1: It's my joy. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Welcome to the music section of the show. In alignment with mention of Buddhism, today's track is a Buddhist mantra relating to Tara, the Bodhisattva of compassion. Maya even mentioned compassion specifically in the interview with what I feel is a quotable quote, so I just had to use it. Compassion is a cure for imposter syndrome. I'll be reflecting more on this. Here is Om Tara from the album Awake. Travelling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlowe Spence and Saraswati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn.